shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Live from the western shores of Oahu, Hawaii. I learned to say Hawaii correctly. Uh, yes, that's right. My name is Carlos Enrique Wetkip Guzman Archibald Cabello, or Los for short, and I'm your host on the Human Hope Podcast, episode number 444. We're 44 episodes into this bad boy, and guess what? Now, I took a couple weeks off in December, but we're only four weeks away. In four weeks, we'll be celebrating our one-year birthday. One happy birthday to us. Let's go ahead and start figuring out what we want to do to celebrate. But can I tell you what I want to do to celebrate? I want to get to one million downloads. I, I've never done a million of anything, okay? I've, I've never sold a million books. I've never sold a million records. But I, I'll tell you one thing. I have had people download a million episodes of this podcast, almost, to be exact, 952 thousand downloads and we're four weeks away now i want to say that last week we were at nine i didn't I did, I, listen i didn't have a producer check on this but i think my number was like around nine hundred and ten thousand. uh you guys came strong this week with like forty thousand downloads so what what about how about we do it again uh that would be awesome it, it's it, it's it's just it's it's a benchmark that to be completely honest i never thought we would hit and here we are. Here I am a year later still doing this thing. And you guys are sharing the podcast with your friends. And I'm just so grateful that you're doing that. Also, th- that was not a lie. I actually am on the Western. Heather, am I on the Western? It's a West, right? Yes. Because the sun set in front of me today. I'm the Western shore of the island of Oahu. Um, well, I mean, by the time you hear this podcast, I, well, I guess you could hear it tomorrow and find out where I'm at. I won't tell you the exact resort I'm out, but my family and I are having a blast here in Hawaii. You know, we're at my parents' timeshare, and this is just that thing that my kids have been coming to their entire life, the, the same place, the same water slide, the same pool, 
all the memories um, are here. Lots and lots of memories are here. And we're actually going to get into some of those memories in just a second uh, when we get into what the podcast is about today. But I just want to let you guys know that I'm really excited about this episode. And really, this episode was spurred on by some of the feelings that I'm having while on this vacation. Um, Now, before we get into that, uh, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. I have been getting a lot, a lot of great potential interview guests from you guys. Okay. Uh, Keep emailing me at carlos at carloswhitaker.com to do that. Now, as, as I continue to sift through all of these potential guests, you know, uh, I may be reaching out or my team may be reaching back out to you guys to see if we can do a little bit of more kind of follow-up producing on it. So just know that some of you guys that have emailed will be hearing back. So thank you so much. If you've got guests that nobody's ever heard of that have incredible stories of hope, please email us at carlos at carloswhitaker.com. Um, I'm trying to find more and more this for this season. Yes, we're still going to interview you know people that you may have heard of, but I'd love to interview more people that you may not have heard of as well. Okay, I just want, I want to get right into this today because um, I'm going to try to sprint through the intro of this podcast so that I don't cry. Now, let me tell you why. Because the guest on today's Human Hope podcast is my own father, Fermin Whitaker. Now, if you guys are in the Insta Familia, if you've been following along on my journey, you may be thinking, how is your father going to be on the podcast because as a lot of you guys know, my father, and I think I've shared this on the podcast before, uh, is suffering through advanced stages of dementia. And it's to the point now that sometimes he doesn't even recognize me. He definitely can't carry on a conversation. Um, he kind of repeats the same thing over and over again. But the beautiful thing is there's still a spark inside of him that you can still see the kindness and the love in his eyes. He's still, he's still, he still is him deep down. Um, and again, you may be wondering how, how's this conversation going to go? Because to be honest with you, like I can't have a conversation with him right now that lasts longer than five seconds, um, maybe 10 seconds before he repeats what we just talked about. About four years ago, uh, well, almost five years ago now, four and a half years ago, I, um, had a podcast that started called Enter Wild. And this podcast, talk about not having a million downloads. Uh, I actually checked the statistics of this episode, uh, of an episode that I'm going to be talking about. And total, that podcast had about 1,200 total downloads in the, in the life of the podcast, which, to be honest with you, is great and was great for me in that season. And it was awesome. But comparatively speaking, looking at this episode in particular, there was about 400 people that listened to a conversation that you're going to get to listen to. As my father began to, um, we began to notice some memory problems going on with my dad in 2017. My, my dad is one of the greatest human beings ever. Um, he is a saint. He is anointed. He is ordained. He, he's, just, he's just incredible. You'll, you'll find out more from him. But I was like, I got I to gotta talk to him. and. You know, what's funny is I, um, I recorded a conversation with him, just asking him about his journey, his journey from a young black man in Colón, Panama, uh, immigrating to the United States, um, and then going to Canada and um, getting his degree and then moving to 
New York and then LA and then starting a church and becoming the first non-white executive director in the Southern Baptist Convention. Like his whole story is amazing. But to remember back to 2017 and remember that he, even at that point, I was like, man, like I got to get this out of my dad because he's, he's slow. But comparably speaking, four years later, it's night and day. Um, and he, he's not who he used to be. Now, I know it's down there, and I'll catch a glimpse in his eyes every once in a while, um, but he's, he's just not the same person. And I'm so, so grateful that I recorded this conversation. Um, you know, Heather actually, uh, even a few years before that, had me take our video camera at the time and record her. Um, she just started asking her grandparents questions. And that's something that I would actually, whether it's your grandparents or your parents, I would really recommend that you guys do just do it on your phone. Just start asking them questions about their life. You, you'll never regret the recording that you, this recording right here. I listened to the whole thing today. Um, and I'm, I'm just blown away and I'm so grateful that I have it. It's, it's, it's this archive of this man's life that he could never tell. He, he can never not tell it anymore. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you guys because so many of you have been following the journey of my dad. And I want you to hear it from his own lips. I want you to hear his story from him. I tell his story all the time, but I want you to hear it from him because I think it's going to impact so many of you. Um, it was an incredible, incredible conversation. And, you know, where this came from, where this idea of... um wanting to do this. I was, I was actually sitting out on our balcony here at, um, at my parents' timeshare. Now this is my parents' timeshare. Okay. Now timeshare is like the most, right? Like boomer thing ever. Now I know, I know a lot of Gen Xers are doing timeshares and stuff, but like, it's just a boomer thing, right? Like you buy a week and you have it forever. And it's like, it's my parents' timeshare. So ever since the kids were little for like 20 years, we would come here to the Western shore of Oahu and we would stay in the same condo. Um, not that this is exact same condo, but they move us around to different condos, but this is the same layout. And my dad, <laughs> I'm sitting out on the balcony watching, watching a soccer game today. And my dad would just always be sitting out there on his iPad, like always watching uh, the West Wing, always watching some horrible, uh, boring World War II documentary or something. Um, and nothing against World War II documentaries, but they were, I was a little bored. Um, and <clears throat> you can send your email to Whitfarm at Whitfarm and she'll, she'll reply to you. Um, and so as I'm sitting out there, I just, I, I start getting choked up because I'm like, my dad, he can't, the reason why we're here without my parents is because he can't travel anymore. Um, he doesn't know where he's at. He's, he, he forgets who my mom is often. Um, but then he'll remember when she reminds him and he's just, he's just not the same. And what, what I want you to, to think about, and this is, this is something that Heather and, Heather and I talked about it a couple hours ago. It, this doesn't necessarily even just have to do with somebody that has dementia, although I know dementia and Alzheimer's affects a lot of you guys, whether it's your grandparents or your parents. But there are people in our lives who are completely different than who we knew them as at, at another point in life. And for, for so many of us, I think we see them in their current state Again, let's move away from dementia. Let's 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 go to like somebody that 
has made agreements with lies and now they're making poor choices that's that's not only destroying their life but the life of their friends and family. And you may look at them and think it's 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 useless. Um there there's no chance to ever get them back. What 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 was even the point? I I just want you to know that who they were is actually still inside of them, right? So like like my dad is still my dad. All those memories of who, of who he was in this conversation, the conversation that I had with him that I could never have this conversation. Four years later, he couldn't string together, he can't string together a, a cohesive sentence. But four years ago, when I recorded this interview with him, that's still my dad. It's still my dad today. And I just I just want you guys to know that like all that you went through with, with the people that you love that may have, they, they may be completely different than they they were back then. That's not wasted. And and all of those things are still inside of them. I I really believe that that it's still inside of them. You know, a couple of weeks ago we were at my parents' house. Again, my dad doesn't he doesn't know Heather anymore. He doesn't know my kids. He does remember Losai every once in a while, but he definitely doesn't remember the girls. And we were sitting there, my dad's just kind of staring off and it was Sohela in the room, Losai and me and the TV was on. And again, I, I'm telling you, my dad does not remember anything, okay? He doesn't remember his siblings, uh, anything. And out of the blue, he just goes, Sohela, tell me, how are you doing? And I remember Sohela and I locked eyes and my jaw dropped and Losiah looked at me, his jaw dropped. I was like, dad? And he's like, and Sohela goes, oh, Papa, I'm good. And there was this tiny little opening, a sliver of a window that cracked for a moment that showed me that he is still in there. And I want to let you guys know that whoever it is in your life that you may think it's too far gone, they're still there. They are there. And you know what? You, you may never get back what uh, you once had, um, but that doesn't mean that what you once had isn't still valuable. So with that, let's, let's do this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to play the episode. It's in, in its entirety for you guys. Um, because it actually is really, uh, it, it's really funny when I, when I go back and I listen to it, I, I told a story at the beginning of the episode, uh, that had to do with my dad and, and, and me when I was a little kid, when we first moved to Atlanta, uh, from East LA. And the story is about my dad and about um, a little bit of racism that happened in the South. And it, it was just my introduction to my dad. But, you know, j- just to let you know, this was four years ago. I was like trying to be NPR. I was trying to be, you know, uh, oh, I was trying to produce this thing a little bit fancier than maybe I should have. Um, but I, th- I think you guys will appreciate it. I think you guys will appreciate the story and the conversation. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Um, From my heart to yours, my mom's heart to yours, my brother's heart to yours, um, I hope you enjoy uh, what I believe is a very, um, very important conversation for me. And uh, and sharing it with you is an absolute honor. So I I thank you for letting me share this little piece of my heart. I enjoy this conversation with my dad, Fermin Agustin Whitaker. 
Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you're in preschool, there isn't a lot that you come across that doesn't have the potential to blow your freaking mind, right? Every single little thing has that potential. It turns into an adventure. Everything does. Even the tiniest, smallest, littlest things, they blow your mind. I remember the first time that I saw a daddy long leg. I'm sure that's not the correct terminology for it, but nonetheless, you guys know what I'm talking about. My family and I had just moved from East Los Angeles, California, yes, to Atlanta, Georgia. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I do remember that I still had my Gary Coleman afro. You guys remember that version of an afro with like a part down the left-hand side? My mom would do that to my fro. So I had like two little mini puffy fros. We're talking about six or seven years old. So we were looking at houses one weekend right when we'd moved to Atlanta. And I found myself at six or seven in the carport. And one of the homes we were looking at just was covered. The entire carport was covered with daddy long legs. And I remember my parents, the real estate agent, and maybe my little brother being in the kitchen when I saw it. I mean, this thing looked like an at-at from the Empire Strikes Back. I was absolutely and totally mesmerized. I followed this thing around the carport for what had to have been 10 or 15 minutes. And then I'll never forget this. The reason why I remember this whole thing was what happened next. I heard my dad and the real estate agent come out of the house and they were deep in conversation, which was not a surprise for my dad. The conversation, it, it went something like this. Well, we would like to see houses in the other neighborhood. That's not really what my dad sounds like, but that's what I'm going to make him sound like right now. My dad told the real estate agent that, uh, yeah, I'm sure, but you guys would fit perfect in this home. You don't want to look over there. It's really expensive. I remember this conversation. That's what the real estate agent said back to my father. Again, the only reason I really remember this conversation wasn't because of the incredible at-at I was falling around the carport with eight legs. It wasn't because of whatever boring convo my dad was having with this agent. It was more because my gentle giant of a father who he rarely raised his voice to anybody, was slowly but surely raising his voice to this strange man. We're going to look in the other neighborhood. Let's go. We ended up buying a house in the expensive hood. Okay, it wasn't as nice as the rest of the other houses, but it wasn't a cul-de-sac. And I just remember, I'll never forget when we drove up and with the moving vans, they were nice kids on their bikes everywhere. I mean, it was a scene torn right out of E.T. and I was determined to find Elliot so we could become BFFs. Not until many years later did I realize what that conversation with the agent was all about. I mean, I get it now. He was telling my dad that our kind, these Latinos that moved from East L.A., this black Panamanian father, with his Gary Coleman Afro son, didn't belong in the neighborhood that ultimately I ended up being raised in. He was trying to keep us on the other side of the tracks, but my dad, Fermin Agustin Whitaker, was not having it. He knew when he took this job in the heart of the South that leaving East LA was gonna be difficult. It was actually gonna be wild. And Wild was right, in the midst of the South, 
was a racism that was woven so well into the charm that it was almost hard to decipher. My dad took us from mild to wild, but protected us the entire way. We're going to hear from a 75-year-old legend, my dad, Fermin Agustin Whitaker, and what it meant for him to truly enter wild. Well, I want to welcome to the Enter Wild podcast, Dr. Fermin Agustin Whitaker. Archibald, which basically you're my dad. What, how's it going, dad? <laughs> how, uh, how are you, pops? I'm doing very well. I'm celebrating my 46th wedding anniversary. Stop. Wait, that's today? Today. And you're taking time for the Enter Wild podcast listeners? Yes, I am. Well, gosh. Well, I won't, first of all, tell mom thanks, or I'll tell her myself. But uh, happy anniversary! Uh, Forty-six years of marriage is no small uh, task, and uh, nope. maybe we can we we can we can talk about that. Oh, oh, well, let's just start there. You know, Let, let's just start there. For those of us that are you know married, I mean, I've I've been married seventeen years now. So like, people look at me like I I've got this thing figured out. But you've been married forty-six years. <laughs> I, can can you please let me know how you pulled that off? First of all, you have complete confidence in God. Oh, let's go. That if he's a part of your marriage life, he's in con- complete control. That's right. And what I have learned over the years, I'm 76 years old right now. Seven, 75. 76. I was born in 41. I don't know if it's 75 <laughs> or 76. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, Dad what, once you turn 75 years old, you don't have to keep track anymore. You just, you just keep living your best life. Right. And uh, we, <laughs> we've been married now for so many years. And, and this, this may sound funny to people, but I, it's not funny. When I meet with some of the younger pastors and they're saying, well, I love to Whitaker. I don't know what to do. I say, slow down, slow down. Yeah. Why don't you, uh, why don't you just take a deep breath and let me teach you three words to, to survive in your marriage. Oh, Si, si, mi amor. <laughs> si, me amor, yes, my love. That's a, yes, how I survived all these years. That's, that's how you survive. I love that. I you love know, that you, you got- want you want a, you want a new dress. See me amor, we'll take care of that. You know, whatever. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Did you want to go to Europe for vacation? I don't argue. See me amor. <laughs> oh, that's so good. See me amor. Okay, so uh, if if we can double, if I can just double the amount of time I've been married, then I'm just gonna I'm gonna put in the see me amor. A plan of attack and everyone listening <laughs> podcast listeners you guys do that as well uh dad here's the thing this is really the first the first main episode of the podcast and um you know a lot of podcasts out there these days are um you know they're interviewing these great authors and great speakers and 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 i think that people that have big platforms um i think that's great i think that's wonderful they're wise but i also feel like there's so much wisdom being left out uh in the gutters um, and just kind of in, in, in the on the pathways next to the major intersections of what people would would presume would be uh, evangelical Christendom, and and your story is has always been so fascinating to me. And every time I go and speak, you know, I speak a lot about you. Everyone knows about you, uh, but what I wanted to do is kind of invite you in to the conversation. This first episode, major episode of Enter Wild, because I feel like when you tell me the stories of your faith. There are some pretty wild stories. And when, when I say wild, again, I'm not talking about 
crazy. I'm just talking about you having to trust God in a way that that is not safe. Um, and so can, can can we rewind maybe back mm-hmm. to because you, you grew up in Panama. Um, the country of Panama. We're not talking about Panama City Beach, Florida people. Okay, we're ta- we're talking about Panama, the country, and um, and I want you to tell us the story of um, of what I believe is is you entering into a wild side of your faith the very first time that you that that you felt the call of the Lord to to preach. Okay, can you can you rewind? What I don't know. Sure. What, what are we re- sure. rewinding sixty five years? I, I don't know when this is. And take us back to that that moment in your journey. And at age 14, I was in the church with my young, 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 young people's group. And the pastor said to me, Fermin, you're going to preach next month for Youth Sunday. In our church in Panama, we used to have one, one Sunday a year where the young people took over the church services. Okay. But we never pick up the offering. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Why? Because they didn't trust us to pick it up. Uh, the oh, 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 they wouldn't let the young people pick up the offering because no, you would pocket you know, it. We could, we could lead the choir. We could teach the classes, but we couldn't pick up an offering. I love it. That's so good. And he said to me, he said, Fermin, you're going to preach next month. And I'm going, Pastor, I am tongue-tied, which means I, I couldn't speak well. I, I, I missed three words out of five words. And Wait, so to, at 14? 14. 14. You you were tongue tied. What tell, tell us a little bit about that? Tongue tied is I was a stutterer, stammerer. Okay. I could not speak clearly. And I had two missing front teeth, so when I speak I whistle. And and the pastor said, You're gonna preach next month for youth Sunday. And I said, Pastor, I don't know, know how to speak. He said, Well, that's not my problem, son, it's God's problem. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> And on okay. Sunday morning, I, I practice all month. I preach to the iguanas and I preach to the horses and the streets. And really? I try to baptize a cat. Yeah. <laughs> my mom told me if you're going to be a pastor, you got to baptize people. I said, but this okay. is a cat. Said, anyway, make a long story short. No, no, no. We, we don't want a long story short. We want a long story long. This is a podcast. People are driving to work. They need to hear, they need to hear the details. Right. I need to know. I need to know what, what are you walking up and down the streets of Panama and there's, and what there's cows in people's backyards. There's yeah, donkeys, right. there's iguana, and, and you, you literally, you kind of skim by this, but you would practice your message that you were preparing to speak because you were tongue tied and you were a stutter That's correct. in front, in front of these animals. That's right. And I, the, the reason I did that is I was embarrassed to be speaking in public. And wow. everybody knew that Fermín Agustín Whitaker at your world could not speak. Mm. <laughs> it was a disaster. That's what they thought about me. Yeah. So uh, he, he gave me 30 days to get my sermon ready, and I worked on my message and got it ready. And my dad bought me a $5 suit that Sunday morning off the street corner. Yeah, he did. M- my parents are very poor. Yeah. And uh, I remember going to the pulpit and opening the Bible and saying, In the beginning, God created Eve. And out of Eve, he took Adam. And the whole church, oh. went, the whole church was in the aisle laughing at me. All my friends were in the first two rows and they were just cracking up. We knew you couldn't do it. We knew you couldn't do it. Oh man. And I realized. So, so you, you're, you're already, sp- you're already spitting blasphemy. I mean, you're already messing up right. scripture. You're yep. messing up scripture, right? Lies are coming and, in your head. They're, they're, they're trying to convince you. Oh my gosh, you can't do this. So I, I, I opened the Bible this time and look at my notes and, you know, I knew what I was saying now. I said, you know, first Adam was created and then Eve. 
and the sermon was to be for 20 minutes. Uh-huh. And in seven minutes, I was done. Wow. And I finished my sermon, and I sat down, and the preacher said, did you see what God just did to Fermín Agustín? Wow. He spoke for seven minutes, and he never missed a word. Wow. Wow. And I haven't missed a word since that day. Wow. I can preach in El Salvador to 20,000 people at the Estadio Flor Blanca. Mm. Don't miss a word. But you put a camera in my face, and I say, talk to Carlos about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, uh, I have obviously been able to witness the, uh, I guess, Dad, what we would call now a miracle, since you couldn't string three words together uh, back in the day. And now, you know, I've, I've, I don't know, I've probably heard you speak thousands and thousands of times. Um, so, so you, you, you realize in seven minutes that God has anointed you and gifted you. Uh, and that obviously this is called enter wild sounds like a pretty wild experience, but what I love about God is that, you know, the, the wildness doesn't stop at the beginning. Your journey took you out of Panama and tell us a little bit about that. You ended up leaving your homeland and, and God called you somewhere else. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Well, once I came off the platform, the pastor made a decision that was extremely important. He said, if God is calling you to preach, he needs to be my mentor. Huh. And he would take me to do, to do visitation on weekends with senior adults in, in rest homes and who were not able to get to church. He would take me to the deacon's meeting on Tuesday night so I could learn what a deacon was. Yeah, he did. And on Wednesday, Wednesday night, he would take me to the prayer meeting to teach me how to lead a prayer, prayer group. Yeah. And this pastor was, was my first teacher in the area of ministry. Okay. His name was Morgan, David Morgan. And uh, then he went to Canada. I was about 18 years old, almost 19, finishing high school. He went to Toronto, Canada to see his uh, son. Okay. And came back and said to me, you're going to Canada. I have a scholarship for you to the Toronto Baptist Seminar. And I'm going, where is that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, so you're, you're in Central America, uh -huh. in Panama, on the, you know, by the ocean, sweating and humid every day. And now he wants you to go to Toronto, Canada. Right. So we didn't have any money at all. We were broke. My dad made 14 cents an hour. We're just a very poor family. Yeah. But the, but the church raised the money to buy me a plane ticket. Wow. And uh, I left Panama, went to Toronto, Canada. And, and, and Carlos, I came off the plane in Miami to transfer to, to the flight to Toronto. Had you ever been out of Panama? Never in my life, except to Colombia one year. Okay. See my grandfather one week. I saw my grandfather in my whole life. Yeah. And um, my parents are from Colombia. They went to Panama in 1929. I came out in 1941. <laughs> well, you came out. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, that is, that's the most gentle way of saying I was birthed. That's, that's I was birthed. Right. Yes. That's right. And when the pastor went to Canada, he came back and said, you're going to go to Canada to study. And I'm going, where is Canada? Yeah. He said, well, son, we, we will send you there because the Lord has called you. And he says, as your pastor, my responsibility is to help you start the journey. Yeah. And uh, they flew me out on Pan American Airlines to Miami, came off the plane in Miami trying to transfer I saw an escalator for the first time in my life and I froze and the lady <laughs> pushed me from behind and said, son, in Spanish, subete, get on the, get on this 
I'm going, I've never seen this thing before in my life. <laughs> now, before you guys hear the rest of the Subete uh, story of the escalator, which literally shoots my father up into a an atmosphere uh, that I don't think he was even ready for himself. And I definitely don't believe that the people around him are ready because he, his story is just getting started. Um, I do want to pause for a second. And ooh, first of all, can I just pause for a second and and let you know how I'm feeling listening to that again? It's so uh, it's just such a gift. I'm just I'm just so grateful to have that conversation. Um, but I want to talk about two show sponsors very quickly. They're they've been with the Human Hope Podcast for a while. You guys know, and you guys have been uh, gracious in. Um, and actually going and clicking the link that really helps not only helps them, but it helps the show stay afloat. So thank you guys so much. Uh, you can find the links to these sponsors uh, and our partners in the show notes um, as well. But our first one is athletic greens. Uh, you guys know, I've been taking athletic greens now for a few months. It's a scoop a day or a little packet a day. And it gets me feeling good. It gets me feeling right more than anything. I, I, I feel better knowing that I'm getting the nutrition going into my body that I may not be uh, able to get as I travel. And so even here in Hawaii, I've got some packets in my backpack that I can just open, put in a little water bottle and drink them down. Athletic Greens is incredible. Um, and, and again, it, it's super important. Okay. It's what I, what I love about them is that the subscription comes with a one-year supply of vitamin D, which again, we understand with COVID going around and all the things going around, why vitamin D is so important to us, especially in these winter months when we don't get as much sun as we need to, right? The price is less than $3 a day. So remember, you're investing in your own health as well. And it's really easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs, the ones that I have, with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash humanhope. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash humanhope to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This week's show is also sponsored and brought to you by Better Help, B-E-T-T-E-R, Help Online Therapy. You guys know I'm a big believer in therapy, and um, I believe that you guys have a great opportunity to talk to somebody if you're going through something that maybe the people around you aren't able to give you the exact advice that you need. Now, not the advice that maybe you want, but that you need. That th- That's why I think it's so important to talk to somebody. Maybe that, that professional friend, right? Uh, I used to have a therapist that told me that she was my paid best friend, right? She was the one, her name was Bobby back in Southern California. And I was very grateful to unload on her. Uh, now I don't have to, and you don't have to go see somebody in person. You can use better help to find yourself a therapist online that you can text them. You can call them, you can video chat them. But if you don't want to video chat them, you literally can just have a voice conversation with them. This is is an incredible opportunity. It's customized online therapy that offers, again, video or just a live chat if you don't want to be on camera. It's way more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Like right now, you can give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Human Hope listeners get 10% off the first month at betterhelp.com slash humanhope. That is B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash 
human hope. Now, back to Fermin and his escalator story. And she, this little lady just pushed me on the, on the steps and I began Amazing. to go up. And, wow, this is cool. So once I got to Toronto, the plane landed and I see this white stuff coming out around, yeah. around the plane. Yeah. I never, I'd never seen snow in my life. Wow. So I stayed on the plane and just stayed waiting for it to go away. And the lady said to me, sir, you've arrived. I'm going, what's that? She said, it's snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I came so off the good. plane and this went in the seminary or the immigration officer said, sir, your visa was rejected Wow! in flight. And I'm going, oops, what do I do now? Remember, yeah. I'm just an 18-year-old kid. I don't know what's yeah. going on. And he said, let's call the school and we'll see what we can do. Okay. And the immigration officer allowed me to stay in Toronto, renewing my visa every six months wow. for four years. For what? four years. We stayed there until uh, I finished my Bachelor of Theology degree. Uh-huh. And then I, then I, be, I found a way to come to the United States. And, uh, and I had worked in New York City during the summertime in Poughkeepsie and Kerhunson, uh-huh. next close to uh, West Point, yeah. with migrant workers who came to New York. So, okay, so that's, t- that's, where, that's where I started my preaching ministry was in New York State. Okay, so t- tell us a little bit about that. You're in New York City. It's the summers in between your school in Toronto. And right. you're working, w- w- what does it mean to be working with migrant workers? These are the people who pick the oranges and the bananas and the fruits of the, of the trees for us. Uh-huh. These are the workers that work in the farms, on the farms in, and, in the United and, States. And so what, what were you doing working with that? Like, what, what does that mean? What were you doing? Were you just... I was a summer missionary, summer oh. missionary okay. for the Southern Baptist Home Mission Board. Okay. And they would they would have young adults to go to all over the nation to do ministry. Okay. Only for eight weeks or five weeks, whatever. Yeah. And my assignment was to go to New York City and try to minister to the Hispanics in New York, upstate wow. New York. And where I could make an impact was on the migrant centers, when the men came off the fields uh-huh. before they had dinner, we would sit down on the ground in the middle of the dirt and the, the junk, and I would preach to these men. Wow! So th- about Jesus Christ, they're <laughs> they're these guys are out in the fields all day. They're they're exhausted. Right. They're they they get bussed back to one location where where there's going to be a meal for them. And you're saying that everyone kind of sits down and before the meal, you you're able to preach. That's correct. That is wow. correct. Wow. And uh, the interesting thing is they were from Puerto Rico and mostly from uh, the Dominican Republic. So yeah. just like now we bring in Mexicans and other people yeah. uh, on the East Coast, those are the guys that came in. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's where my, my preaching began. So you began to preach to these yes. migrant man workers. And that, that's when you, you started saying, wow, maybe, maybe this is what I'm going to be doing. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Then after the second week, the sponsoring church, which was an Anglo church, decided that they want to put their pastor in the platform uh-huh. to preach in English. Yeah. And I became his interpreter. <laughs> really? I gave up my position for his and his position. Great, so great wait, guy. so, so great wait, 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 wait. You're telling me, you're telling me <laughs> that the, 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 the white American English speaking pastor was like, you know what? 
I know that you speak in Spanish and you're preaching that, but I'm going to speak in English and then you're just going to translate to Spanish. Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. And I'm going, but why should I do that? You know I mean? I, and I realized, no, it's not my assignment. That, that's right. God's, that God is in charge of my life. Wow. And this, this is a brother that's a good pastor. Let him preach the gospel and I will interpret. And I did that. Okay. Now, th- this is seven th- weeks. Th- that. Seven, and this is what I love about this part of the story is little did you know at this moment, uh, because before you, you were just preaching in Spanish to these guys. That's, that is correct. But, that's but little did you know that during these seven weeks of you having to suddenly translate um, this pastor's English into mm-hmm. Spanish, that mm-hmm. God was going to be moving you to Los Angeles to where you were actually going to have to use both languages in, at the same time. I did not know where Los Angeles was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, oh, wow. I, I came to California to go to Cal Baptist University, California Baptist College at the time. Yeah. They, they called and told me there's a church in Pico Rivera. Mm. I didn't know where Pico Rivera was. Didn't yeah. have a car. I didn't have a car. Didn't yeah. have any money for a bus. But my yeah. friend would drive me to church. He would preach for the Russians, uh-huh. and I would preach for the Spanish-speaking group. Wow. The church had a very, was a very small congregation, and uh, they had about. Uh, this is in Pico Rivera. In Pico Rivera, which Pico is which? So, is next so the listeners winter. know this is in this is in East Los Angeles, correct? Pico Rivera is is part of the East LA. Okay. Platform. Action! It is next to Whittier. You have to cross Pico Rivera to get to Whittier. Okay. Whittier was Nixon Town. Got Pico it. Rivera was Mexican Town. <laughs> <laughs> so Nixon Town and Mexican Town. I got it. Yeah. And uh, I went to a small church of 14 members and seven deacons. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was. I didn't really understand why God had put me there, you know? Yeah. And uh, the church was a small church and they were. They were very, very poor. They could only pay me $25 a, a week for a good sermon and 15 for a bad sermon. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Right. Yeah. So while I was at church, I, I, I was preaching and there was no one there but old people, old senior yeah. adults. And, you were, and you're, you're what? How old are you at this point? I was about 20, 22 years old. Okay. So you're, you're preaching to a bunch of, of old guys. Right, like, in a senior though, senior, the yeah. nice people. Yeah, sorry, sorry, and, sorry, uh, senior, seniors. I don't, I don't want to call you old. You're a senior. No, I'm yeah. not old. I'm mature. I'm not That's old. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was standing there in the platform, getting ready for the service, and I looked in through the window, and I realized there are no young people in the church. Yeah, they're in the parking lot playing soccer. Wow. So like the 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 parents and the grandparents are in the church, and the young people are outside. They told me you will only speak in Spanish. Mm. You want to speak in English? Go with the gringos. Uh, wow. And I'm going, what? And so I went, I, I saw the young people playing soccer outside and they're not in the church. So I walked outside and said, hey guys, come to church. And a young man said to me, I can say to see his name. Yeah. I said, well, I don't speak Spanish. Wow. I said, but your name, your name is Martinez. He said, no, my name is Martin, not Martinez. <laughs> in the 60s, they were changing their names to be adjusting the culture of, of the United States. Wow. And they were, he said, no, my, my name is Martin. I know, guys, no. My name is not Roberto. My name is Rob. Wow. And I realized, wait a minute. These kids don't speak Spanish. 
So I went back into the church and went to my office, a little hole in the wall, and got on my knees and said, Lord, I don't want to be here. Mm. Because the adults are saying, if you speak in English, go with the gringos, and our kids are going to hell. Wow. So he, the Lord said to me, go back to the podium. And I went back to the podium. I opened my Bible. And like a laser from heaven mm. came through these words, bebilingue, go bilingual. Mm. Carlos, I had never heard the word bilingual in my life. Wow. And I said, what? I'm on the platform. And the Lord says, I will put words in your mouth. Wow. I began to speak in two languages, just mm. like I'm talking to you. contigo. Uh, and before I knew it, the young people began to come into church. And they raised their fingers and said, go ahead. Sir. Wow. <laughs> so the you, church you, exploded. Wow. And the church exploded because suddenly the, the seniors realized you're speaking their language, but our kids, our kids, our kids don't. They don't, they don't understand. And, and now you're speaking English and in Spanish in the same message, translating yourself. That is correct. I was my interpreter. That's wow. right. And it wasn't a long sermon. It usually was 20 minutes or 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. But I, uh, the Lord gave me the ability to package it to where sentence after sentence came out in two languages. Wow. I had never done it in my life. Wow. So you, you didn't and practice I, this. This wasn't like, you didn't go to like no, seminary no, no. and go to the, the like translate no. yourself class? <laughs> Absolutely not. It was standing on the platform, opening my Bible and God says, baby lingue, go bilingual. Wow. Okay. Baby lingue. So I, th- for the next two minutes, I want you to go bilingual on the podcast. Bueno, si usted quiere, if you want, you puedo okay. hacer eso. I can okay. do that. Okay. That's what we're going to do. So, so Okay, so so suddenly it starts it it starts to explode, and tell us a little bit about what happened at Primera Iglesia in the next few years. Bueno, la, la Primera Iglesia Bautista del Sur en Pico Rivera empezó a, a crecer. La iglesia empezó a crecer. The church began to grow, mm. y los jóvenes empezaron a venir a la iglesia. The young people began to come to church mm. porque entendían el idioma because they understood the language. Right, right. And the church couldn't pay me enough money, so I became a substitute teacher. Mm. If we maestro substituto in la, in la secundaria, in the secondary school. Yeah. And I began to make a few dollars. Empecé a ganar dinero. Y se, pero seguí hablando con los jóvenes. I, I was always talking to the young people. Wow. Acerca de Cristo. En la escuela o fuera de la escuela. In the school or outside the school. Yeah. I, I would walk with my students. Yo caminaba con mis estudiantes. Y de repente empezaron a llegar a la iglesia y began to come to church. Wow. Y empezaron a decir, oh, hermano Fermín, we love you, pastor, te amamos. And I didn't realize what God had done. No realicé lo que Dios había hecho. Mm-hmm. Un milagro en mi vida. A, mal, yeah. a, a miracle in my life. Yeah. Donde pensé, I, I thought in two languages and I spoke in two languages. Wow. And to, and to this day I can do that, by the what? way, if it's necessary. Uh, and right now that was just, you know, it's so funny. I, I've, I've heard you do this my entire life. Yes. Um, and, uh, until you kind of step away from the reality and, and, you know, cause I'm just used to it, but, but nobody does this. Nobody, you know, translates themselves. There's always a translator. And, you know, I, I think that is absolutely wild again, enter wild is what we're talking about. How, if, if we're expectant on Jesus and if we're, if we have an expectation, God is going to do some absolutely wild and crazy things like that, Dad. That's that's incredible. And Carlos, 
God does it all the time. We just don't acknowledge it. Yeah. So good. You know, we get on the platform and look what I can do, what I can do. No, no, no. The Lord teach me something years ago. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your might and do not lead on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will guide you. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Wow. And I recognize in the, in the eyes of, of myself and my, and, and my ministry, I'm just a human being that God saved at age 12 by a woman teacher yeah. in my country. And the church exploded. The church grew very well. We became one of the strongest Southern Baptist churches in California at that time. And I never talked about the size of my church. Hmm. I never talked about, look, what I am doing. Yeah. I would, I would cross the, the, the park, the, I would cross the street to the park across from my church. Yeah. And play marbles with the children. Hmm. And three weeks later, their parents show up at church and says, our kids are talking about you. Who are you? Wow. wow and I yeah. said, well, I, I just, I just love kids. I love people. Yeah. I love, oh. you know, I worked a lot with, uh, with, with, uh, drug, drug, drug addicts in, in, in Pico Rivera. Yeah. And today those people are now grandfathers in our mm. churches. Beautiful. Because I believe that the, the, the calling of each one of us yeah. is to tell the story. Yeah. And we don't tell a good story. You do an excellent job in that area. Well, you're my dad, so I appreciate that. And uh, I think I get it from you because I was, I've been absolutely hooked and fascinated at your journey, even just listening to it, knowing it, but having you kind of explain that. And, obvi- and there were actually things that I'd never even known you know, you know, with the migrant, I, I didn't know about the migrant worker and the fact that you were the one preaching. I didn't know that you were preaching in, in New York to them, but I didn't know that then you had to suddenly start translating for somebody speaking in English, which is it's yes. just crazy. Isn't that life? Isn't that just how life goes? Is like, God, it calls us to do something. We're doing it. And then somebody comes in and kind of butts us to the side, but we just have to stay faithful. And what I love about, you know, your story is you stayed faithful and look what ended up happening. Um, Miracles, miracles. And so thank you again from the bottom of my heart uh, for and this inaugural episode, letting me interview my own father. Uh, I'm, I'm ultimately grateful for my walk with Jesus watching you. And, you know, you, I know that you've prayed for me. Um, I, think, I think what you say that you pray for me my whole life is for double, what, what, what do we say about wisdom? A double portion of wisdom. A double portion of wisdom. And some days I need quadruple portions. And so, um, you know, thank you for... Uh, <laughs> doing that. Happy anniversary. Um, I love you so much. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us here on the Enter Wild podcast. Thank you. God bless you, son. Take care. <sighs> thank you, dad. And thank you, uh, listeners for allowing me to share that with you. Hopefully it, um, touched you as much as it touched me. And, um, I, I think we're just going to end it with that, end it with understanding that no matter how far away somebody feels like they are from who you once knew that they were, um, the ethos and the core of who they are is still there. And um, I just, I'm just so grateful uh, for you and that I've got a family here on the Human Hope Podcast that I can trust enough with uh, this part of my heart. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I love you, dad. Uh, And I love you, mom. Mom, I know you listen to every week. Um, And I know this may not have been the easiest episode to listen to. So 
for you, mom. Uh, but dad is a gift and we will see him speaking like that to us again, whether here or in glory, but it'll happen. See you guys next week on another episode of Human Hope.